All right, we're looking at Proverbs 3, verses 1 through 26. Let's give our attention to God's Word. It says, My son, do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments. For length of days and years of life and peace they will add to you. Let not steadfast love and faithfulness forsake you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart, so you will find favor and good success in the sight of God and man. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him, and He will make straight your paths. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. It will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your produce. Uh, then, your, then your barns will be filled with plenty, and your vats will be bursting with wine. My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline or be weary of his reproof. For the Lord reproves him whom he loves, as a father the son in whom he delights. Blessed is the one who finds wisdom and the one who gets understanding. For the gain from her is better than gain from silver, and her profit better than gold. She is more precious than jewels, and nothing you desire can compare with her. Long life is in her right hand. In her left hand are riches and honor. Her ways are ways of pleasantness, and all her paths are peace. She is a tree of life to those who lay hold of her. Those who hold her fast are called blessed. The Lord, by wisdom, founded the earth. By understanding, he established the heavens. By his knowledge, the deeps broke open and the clouds dropped down the dew. My son, do not lose sight of these. Keep sound wisdom and discretion, and they will be life for your soul and adornment for your neck. Then you will walk on your way securely, and your foot will not stumble. If you lie down, you will not be afraid. When you lie down, your sleep will be sweet. Do not be afraid of sudden terror or or of the ruin of the wicked when it comes. For the Lord will be your confidence and will keep your foot from being caught. The Bible says that all men are like grass and all of man's glory like the flower of the field. And that the grass withers and the flowers fade away, but that the word of God stands forever. So let me pray for us before we talk about it further tonight. Heavenly Father, we, we do pray now and ask you, acknowledge that, that we are frail and feeble. And as hard as it might be to imagine, we will wither and pass away. But your word will always be true. It is steadfast and sure. And so, Father, we need to hear from you tonight. And so we pray that even now, even here, that you would be with us by your Holy Spirit and that you will cause us to hear. Work in spite of our sin. Uh, Father, break through and and speak to us, we pray. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, This past summer, I had one of the most nerve-wracking experiences that I've had in I would say at least recent memory. Um, I had a uh, had a very particular father son talk uh, with with our oldest. Uh, this was the this was the talk, the first talk um, about 
I guess we could just say the birds and the bees. And yeah, I was incredibly nervous. Um, As you can imagine, or maybe you can't, I don't know, but you know, you think about it, right? Try to talk to a nine-year-old and I don't know how this is going to go. I don't know what to say, right? Good luck. Um, But it's important, right? I mean, that's a big deal. Um, You know, sure, it might be be sort of a scary thing to do uh, for me. But, right, we want our kids to know the truth, right? We want them to know about uh, about those things, about, about lots of things in life. We want them to know the truth and to hear it from us and, and to know how to, to navigate life well. And so we, we talk with our kids, right? We have these father-son talks or mother-daughter talks, whatever. Uh, and the reason I, I mention that is because that's actually exactly what our passage is tonight. And really the first, uh, I think it's the first nine chapters of Proverbs are a series of ten father-son talks. Uh, ten, ten lessons from a father to his son. Uh, you know, this is our second installment, but this semester we're studying through the book of Proverbs. And our theme uh, every week is a life of wisdom. Last week we said that, um, that wisdom is really skill at living. Being, being good at life, in a sense. And Proverbs is a, a book about and full of wisdom. And we saw last week that the beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord. Uh, that is, in many ways, we could say that the beginning, wisdom begins with understanding the gospel. A fear of the Lord, having an affectionate, reverent awe for God. And so this week, uh, we have... This is going to be sort of our second introduction to our series uh, before we get into more. uh, From here on out, it's going to be very topical, uh, topical studies, uh, things that that Proverbs addresses. Um, But tonight, what what I want you to see in this um, lesson from a a father to a son, um, I think this passage shows us a little bit about about what it looks like to pursue wisdom. Wisdom. Uh, we're going to look at the benefits of, of wisdom and the, and the pursuit of wisdom. So we're actually going to look at, we have, we have three points. Should come as no shock to anybody. First, I want you to see uh, the, the blueprint and the blessings of wisdom. Secondly, we'll look at the, the breadth of the pursuit of wisdom. Uh, the scope of wisdom, I guess you could say. And then thirdly, we're going to look at the context of the pursuit of wisdom. And we're actually sort of working backwards through this text generally, so just a heads up there. All right, first, the the blueprint and the blessings of wisdom. Take a look at verses 19 and 20. The Lord, by wisdom, founded the earth. By understanding, he established the heavens. By his knowledge, the deeps broke open and the clouds dropped down the dew. What you see as we look at this passage is that God created the world with wisdom. You're going to hear it again as you if you read through Proverbs, you you will hear it again in chapter eight. In chapter eight, wisdom uh, is personified as a lady. It's lady wisdom. And she's speaking 
and, and she says this, the Lord possessed me at the beginning of his work, the first of his acts of old. And she goes on to say in 29, when he marked out the foundations of the earth, then I was beside him like a master workman and I was daily his delight. What we see is that wisdom was, was integral to God's creating the universe. The, the design of the universe, the blueprint, if you will, it has wisdom all over it. Wisdom is running through all of creation. We could say that what God made is very wise and, and how he made it is incredibly wise. And in some ways you can just look around the world and see that that's true, right? See how the world fits together. Uh, the, way that, the way the earth is the perfect distance from the sun, right? Apparently if it was just a fraction of a whatever closer or further away from the sun, it would, just, it would all be screwed up. Uh, the way the planets move, the way the seasons operate, the way crops grow and rain that waters them, right? The way that, that human beings, uh, what, what do we, we take in oxygen and we give off carbon dioxide. And trees take in carbon dioxide and they give off oxygen. Uh, the, the way that the, the ecology of our planet, the way, gosh, the way all of the you know, animals uh, fit together in the sense that, you know, they keep each other's populations populations in check and yet they they need each other to survive it right we could go on and on it's amazing i can still remember sitting in my freshman biology class the freshman at old miss a long time ago and it was interestingly enough it was taught by this uh this lady that was a uh, that was an atheist and which was was just sort of astoundingly ironic to me because Every day that I sat there, I was just amazed as we talked about the, the biology of the human body. Our bodies are amazing, right? I mean, the way, the way blood clots, right? When you get injured, everything that goes into the, the way that your body goes about stopping the bleeding, uh, the, the defense systems that your body has to protect against um, to pr- protect against disease, uh, the way energy gets distributed in your body, right? We could go on and on. It's amazing. It, it's absolutely brilliant how the human body works. And it's evidence, I would submit to you, of infinite expertise, of, a, inc- of an unimaginably skilled Maker. Wisdom is woven through the very fabric of creation. And so there's a real sense in which wisdom is something that we can, gosh, in a sense, tap into. In other words, we can actually live according to the wisdom of the universe. And our lives. Our lives will be more in sync. Our lives will actually, in a sense, be more in harmony when we do that. I guess to put it, put it really bluntly, crassly, um, life will tend to go better 
if we live wisely. Um, I heard one person as I was working on this uh, compare it to the force in Star Wars. I'm not a Star Wars fan. I don't, don't really keep up with it. So I don't, I'm sort of uh, out of my depth here. But I do know what the force is. Um, and they did note, by the way, that there's, there's no evil aspect to the wisdom force. Um, but it's something that's all around, and there's a sense in which you can, you can tap into it. I thought about it like this. This is more helpful to me. That wisdom is, in a sense, like the grain of the universe. You know how certain things, like, uh, like a piece of meat, right? It has, it has a, a, I guess, a grain to it. Right? There's a way you can cut it one way. This is one of those father-son things that you, you teach your kids, right? If you cut it this way, if you cut with the grain, it's, it's a whole lot easier. It, it's a lot smoother. If you go against the grain, it, it's, it's messy and harder. Make sense? Um, if, if none of those work for you, maybe it's like petting a cat the opposite way. Right? <laughs> that one seemed to have landed. Okay, good. One out of three. Right? You know how it gets, right? If you pet with the grain, things will go well. If you pet against the grain, not so well. Wisdom is very much like that. It's the grain of the universe. And if our lives are with the grain, things will go go better. Uh, Now look, we have to sort of give a word of caution here and say a couple of things just to be clear, um, one, we have to say that Proverbs uh, and, and wisdom in general in the Bible, um, they're not promises, right? I think I mentioned this last week, but Proverbs, Proverbs observes and reports the way the world tends to operate. But they're not promises. They're not guarantees. It's the way the world tends to operate. For example, uh, you know, Proverbs 22.6 says something along the lines of, if you, if you train up a child in the way in which he should go, then even when he's old, he will not depart from it. So that's not a promise to us, a guarantee that if you train up a child the way he, he or she should go, then they will never depart from it. It's a guarantee. Because I'm sure we all know people that uh, their parents taught them well, trained them up maybe in the faith, and yet they've They've left it. But generally speaking, that is the way life goes. Kids, the way they're grown up matters a whole lot. And people generally tend to stay in that, in that avenue. But they're not guarantees. Um, the books of uh, Ecclesiastes and Job tend to give us more the exceptions to the rules, so to speak. Um, so... Yeah, just a uh, clarification there. All right, so what are, the, what are the blessings of wisdom? What will it do for us if we cut, cut along the grain of the universe, grain of life? Well, generally, it's going to lead to good things. Look at verse 14 and 15. It says, The gain from her is better than gain from silver, better than the gain from gold. Nothing that you desire can compare with her. It's going to lead to good things. Verse 16, Long life, riches, honor. Verse 17, pleasantness and peace. So what, what, we, what we see is that people that live wisely, 
They tend to lead peaceful, longer, richer lives. And I don't know about you, but that sounds pretty good, right? That's what wisdom has to offer. But one other thing that wisdom has to offer, look at uh, verse 23 to 26 there. I want you to notice the security and the confidence that wise living brings. It says uh, that that you will walk on your way securely, that you will not be afraid, for the Lord will be your confidence. And I don't know about you, but that sounds pretty good too. Because if we're all, we're all afraid of a lot of stuff. I'm afraid of whatever that was. Um, we're all afraid of a lot of things, right? We're, we're afraid of other people. We're afraid of their opinions of us. We're afraid of failing. We're afraid of the future, of making wrong decisions. There's so much that we're often afraid of. So what a great thing to think about. Uh, wouldn't it be great to... To begin to live in such a way that to feel those insecurities begin to, to melt away. Because your confidence is in the Lord. Because the Lord is your confidence. And look, we're not saying it's, it's not magic. But pursuing wisdom will, will make us more secure people. And I think that's a good thing. All right, secondly, the second thing I want, I want us to look at from this passage, I want us to see the breadth of the pursuit of wisdom. So these last two points as we turn to look at what does what a life spent pursuing wisdom look at? Let's look at the scope of this pursuit of wisdom. Verses 5 through 8. Um, we said last week that one of the fundamental principles of wisdom is seeing things It's basically seeing life through God's eyes, through his truth, through what he says. And that's what we're reminded of here. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. Don't lean on your own understanding. Right? God's created everything and so therefore he knows how it works. And we're not going to rehash all all of what we said last week now, but but notice verse 6. Verse 6 tells us, so what does that apply to? Where do we apply that in our lives? And what does it say? In all your ways, acknowledge him. We need to seek wisdom. We need to seek perceiving everything in life through his eyes. And that needs to apply to every aspect of our lives. To every area that we're involved in, every aspect of us. And that might seem obvious, but unfortunately our tendency is we tend to segment our lives, right? If you, especially if you're, if you're a Christian and you very well might endeavor to, uh, I, I want to live according to what God says. I want his light to shine into my life and, and I want to follow his truth. But what we tend to do is allow that to happen in certain areas, but but we sort of compartmentalize our lives. And we can very easily tend to have certain aspects that we keep sealed off and we keep those apart from God's wisdom. Right? Um, it makes me, uh, I, it made me think of our, our refrigerator at home. 
Right? A refrigerator naturally has a whole bunch of compartments in it. It's got you know, little areas for all your different things. And then we add more compartments and tubbleware and whatever else. Because you want, you want everything to be sealed off in its own little deal. Because what happens if you don't? It all sort of mixes together and then, you know, your things start smelling and tasting like each other and it's no good. And so you keep everything sealed off in its nice little needle and you keep the lasagna over here and the fruit over here and the cheese and the whatnot. But we tend to do that, unfortunately, our, our lives tend to look like that. And that's good. In a, you want that in a refrigerator. You don't want that in your life when it comes to God's truth. Because to keep it segmented off, right, it, the, the aroma of God's wisdom, the smell of God's wisdom is not going to waft onto it. And so what it looks like for us, what do we tend to do? Um, you know, we might let God's truth in and... and live along the lines of wisdom about what we say, the way we use our words, and um, you know, maybe the way that we uh, treat our friends and those sorts of things. But we, but we might very well think, but for, but for these four years, academics, my schoolwork is going to be its own separate thing. Because everybody else is cheating. And if I don't cheat, I'm, I'm not going to keep up. Or I'm not going to keep my scholarship. And I've got to do this. I've got to operate this way. And so I'm going to keep that. I'm going to keep that separate and sealed off from what God has to say about it. Or you might think that, that way about your, um, your sexuality. That what God has to say about that, it, it affects so much of your life. But you... You don't care to let it into the, to the realm of your sexuality. Maybe the way you and your boyfriend or girlfriend um, uh, relate to one another. Or um, what you look at on the internet. Or fill in the blank. Right? Whatever area of life it is for you, we tend, we tend to compartmentalize. and Keep certain areas sealed off. And wisdom comes along and says, don't do that. That's not wise living. Wise living is acknowledging him in all the ways of your life. And so that's what it looks like to pursue a life of wisdom. is to open up every area of our lives. All right, thirdly and finally, we need to look at the context of, of a, of a life pursuing wisdom. The context of the pursuit of wisdom. Um, so we've seen that the universe is created with wisdom sort of running through it. And that we need to apply that to every area of our life. But how do you do that? Because, look, if, if we're honest, if I'm honest, in a lot of ways, I don't want to do that. If I'm honest, there... I kind of like to keep some things separate. So what would, right, I, I do and I don't. So what would make me or any one of us even begin to, to open up all of our lives to God's wisdom? What's at the core of that pursuit of wisdom? Uh, and I think that's what the father in this passage opens with at the beginning. Look at verse 3. He says, let not steadfast love and faithfulness forsake you. 
Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. So this, this good father says that a life of pursuing wisdom has to have at its core steadfast love and faithfulness. That's it. It has to start with that love and it has to stay with that love. Steadfast love and faithfulness. It's the, I guess you could say, the context of a life of pursuing wisdom. Um, I thought about it like this. If you want to learn how to swim, what's the context in which you learn how to swim? Right? It's the water. You've got to get in the water and you have to stay in the water if you're going to learn how to swim. It's the only place you can do it. And so just like that, if you want to begin and you want to continue a life of pursuing wisdom, then the context of that is steadfast love and faithfulness. It's the water that you have to swim in. So now here's the big question. So who's the one that's doing the loving and the being faithful? And who's the one that's being loved and being faithful too? So in other words, is this calling for the son and, and us to remember our faithfulness to God? Or to remember God's faithfulness to us. And I think very certainly that the answer, as is often the case in the Bible, is to that question is yes. That it's both. That both are true, but that one is foundational to the other. And that's very important. Um, the concept is all throughout the Bible. You can look in Deuteronomy 6. Um, God's love for his people and their response to him in, in obedience and love and in, in keeping the law, those two things always go together. They're not the same thing, but they are always together. And that's incredibly important. Uh, we get some help in the New Testament. First John 4 um, says, Beloved, let us love one another. For love is from God. In this is love. Not that we have loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. So you see that right, our love for one another, obeying the law, and yet God's love for us first, they go together. They're not the same thing, but they go together. But God's love for us is foundational. It's first and foremost. Alright, so what is the, this steadfast love. We'll kind of dig in a little bit and talk about it. The Hebrew word, this is the second week in a row. I feel like sort of a nerd giving you a Hebrew word for two weeks in a row, but the Hebrew word is hesed. Apparently if you pronounce it right, it's more like chesed. But, yeah. And it's this very deep, rich word that refers primarily to God's covenant love for His people. It's his covenant love for Israel, for how he's bound himself, uh, pledged himself in marriage, wed himself to his people. Uh, it's how God reveals himself to Moses in Exodus 34, when he says of himself, The Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin. 
It's the word that describes God's love for his people that that really, uh, I guess, emphasizes the fact that he's the one, that this relationship is going to stay together entirely because of him. Uh, Sally Lloyd-Jones in the Jesus Storybook Bible translates it or explains it this way. You could, some of you, I'm sure, could probably say this with me. Um, she describes it as the never stopping, never giving up, unbreaking, always and forever love. It's a love that's so deep that says, no matter what happens between me and you, I have pledged that I will be with you and I will never leave you and I will never forsake you. We're going to stay together because I'm going to keep us together. It's a fierce love. It's not based on anything that we do or don't do. And that's what the father in this passage tells the son. Don't ever forget that. The way to pursue wisdom, the the water that we have to swim in is that we have to we have to sink ourselves into that kind of love, into that love, into God's love for us. Don't ever forget it. So what does that mean for us? Well, it's going to look a little bit differently for us than it did the son in the Old Testament, right? Because we have the benefit of the New Testament. And this passage actually is even, it's even pointing us there. I've been really intrigued how Proverbs, uh, as all of Scripture does, but how Proverbs is pointing us forward to Christ. Uh, look back at uh, 19, verses 19 to 20, where he talks about how wisdom was right there with God, being used to create everything. Remember that? Listen to John 1, 1 through 3. In the beginning was the Word. And the word was with God and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him. And without him was not anything made that was made. Right. So who's John talking about? John's talking about Jesus Christ. And it sounds a whole lot like Lady Wisdom, doesn't it? That was there with God at the beginning of creation, really the agent of creation. So what what does that mean for us? It means that you and I need to, the water that we have to swim in to lead a a life of wisdom is the good news of Jesus Christ. It's the gospel. That we need to never forget, that we have to constantly be remembering good news. That God loves us with such a fierce love that He enters this world and says, I... There, there, are, there are rules to this covenant, right? And some, the rules have to be kept. And if they're not kept, there's going to be punishment. And we've broken the rules, but I love you so much that I'm going to enter the world that I created. And I'm going to take the punishment for the, for the rule breaking. And I'm going to take it myself. So that you don't have to. So that you can go free. And he comes and he bears all that on the cross. And he gives us, he gives us his righteousness. Right? The, the son that perfectly upheld his end of the covenant. He gives that righteousness to us. It's a love that's so steadfast that it means that the father would, turn, would have to turn his back on his own son. So that he doesn't turn his back on us. 
He turns his back on Jesus, the one that's always been with him since the beginning, since before the beginning. And now look, notice that the father says, don't let steadfast love and faithfulness forsake you. Seems odd, right? Because it can't forsake us, right? That's the idea. And look, what he's, he's basically saying, but God's love is so amazing. And it's so wonderful because it's all about what he's done. That's the truth. Now look, take that and hold on to that like your life depends on it. Don't ever let go of it. Because we, we're quick to forget it. It doesn't make it less true, but we tend to forget it. Uh, I heard a, a, a podcast a while back. This is incredibly sad. It was about a guy, it was all about memory loss and amnesia and such. And it, they profiled a guy that had lost the ability to retain memory. And his memory basically reset anywhere from every uh, few seconds to several minutes. So the most that he could keep anything together was, was a few minutes. And then it all started over. Can you, I mean, you can't even begin to imagine what that's like. And so he had to, he had to wear, uh, he wore a card around his neck that gave the basic details of who he was and, and what was going on. And when he didn't see that, he had those cards scattered all over his house. His, and he, you know, he lived with his wife and his wife had them scattered all over the place because he forgot who he was all the time. And he had to be constantly be reminded. And that's extreme, but it's not a bad picture of who we are and, and how, we, how we relate to the gospel sometimes. Right? We forget the good news of the gospel and we have to constantly be reminding ourselves of the truth, just like that guy. Reminding ourselves that Jesus loves us so much that he would rather die than live without us. And look, that's the only way that you and I would ever begin if and since that's true. That's the only way you and I would ever begin to open up our lives and open up those areas that we don't want other people to see and we sure don't want God to see and and begin to expose them to his wisdom. The only way we'd ever do that is is if we know that he he really isn't going anywhere when he sees it because he's already seen it. And he's really not going to get rid of us because he loves us with steadfast love and faithfulness. And that's what we need to swim in. That's the water we have to swim in all the time. We swim in the, uh, the means of grace. How do you do it? You know, it? Right. That's why we read our Bibles. That's why we pray. That's why we go to church. That's why we fellowship in the million ways that those things bleed into everyday life. Because we have to swim in that water and not get out of it. Swim in the water of good news. And that's what's offered to us tonight. Uh, I, pray that, I pray that you take it. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you love us with a steadfast love and faithfulness. Would you help us to truly believe that, to never forget it, uh, to be, so that we might begin to live a life of wisdom, to see things the way you would have us see them. Father, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.